So in this interview, I talked to Justin Ware. Justin Ware is one of those young bartenders that are really good for the uh, Houston scene. He's got some really good experiences um, at some really cool bars. He has a lot of creativity. He's also in the competition circuit, which is something that I feel very strongly about and I'm favorable for because it forces you to showcase what you know. But more importantly, he has been able to lead a very young team at Johnny Goldbricks into a very creative program where they put out a brand new cocktail menu every month. So I talked to him about that, um, his world-class uh, competition happening the week of uh, June the 4th. And um, yeah, I hope you enjoy this interview. Please uh, subscribe to uh, my podcast on iTunes and Stitcher. Also, visit my website, openbar.space. There you can listen to any episodes. You can contribute to my Patreon. Um, you can find out about uh, new events and whatnot. And that website is going to be a work in progress. So please support the show and uh, enjoy it. Hello, everyone. I'm David Dacry. Welcome to the Open Bar Experience. This is episode number five with Justin Ware. It's the interaction across the bar that you can't teach. That interpersonal relationships that you build with the people. All right, so um, what's your name? So my name is Justin Ware. And what do you do? I bartend. And where do you bartend? Uh, I bartend at a bar in the Heights called Johnny's Goldbrick. What exactly is your position at Johnny's uh, Goldbrick? I'm the general manager at Johnny's Goldbrick. Okay. Beverage director, I guess, if you will. Okay. How old are you? Uh, I'm 29. Okay. And how long have you been in the industry? Uh, I've been doing this for going on 10 years now, um, or going on 11 years now. I'm just over my 10-year mark. I started when I was 18 in college, and I've been doing it ever since. Nice. So, did you initially start working at a cocktail bar? No, actually, I started working at Buffalo Wild Wings. Um, it was a job. Um, so going into college, um, I was given a stipend by my parents, and it was a really small one. Um, so I took the first year, and like any good college kid, I partied my ass off <laughs> and uh, blew through all my money. And so when I got done, uh, my parents were like, well, congratulations, you have no money, go find a job. So I knew that I wanted to be a bartender because, one, I liked drinking, and two, because... Um, um, I was always interested in it. Actually, the first cocktail I ever made was when I was like 14, and my dad was having a New Year's Eve party, and um, he had one of those Rolodex wheels, and I made a Long Island iced tea for, 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 the, for the party he was having, and everybody lost their shit over it. It was like, oh, keep making them, keep making them, and I got everyone trashed. So, <laughs> oh, so you're that guy, huh? Yeah, well, I've kind of always been that guy, but, you know, I like having a good time. Okay. And uh, so I know you... Um, from USBG, but also from working at Julep. Yeah. And then after that, competitions. So how did you end up in Houston, and how did you end up at Julep? So I grew up in Houston originally. I started in, uh, like, I started in Sugarland. I mean, I grew up in Sugarland, went to school out there. I graduated. I went to school at A&M. I did five years there. Graduated from A&M with a a business degree, a minor in communications and HR. And then I moved back to Houston um, actually selling wine. I, uh, I sold wine for a year out of college. Uh, found out I was really bad at selling 
people things that they didn't want. Um, I'm better at giving people things that they're interested in. Um, and so I didn't do very well. So I fell, I fell back into the service industry um, working at Soma Sushi, which is a little sushi joint off of Washington Avenue. Um, and then after about a year of doing that, I really realized that I was really, really interested in the service industry as a whole. Like it was became what was my passion. I got up every morning and I, got, I went to work and I really enjoyed it. So I started pursuing more and more things at the restaurant I was working at. Um, I held every position in that that uh, that restaurant from bartender to server to manager. Um, I even worked in the kitchen for about six months, um, well, maybe a little bit longer. Um, I did like two months of staging where I didn't get paid, and I did it on my off days to go in and do that, and then worked through that and worked on the line on certain nights, and I was there all the time because I wanted to learn everything I could. Um, and then from there, uh, I found about an opportunity at Anvil. Uh, there was a uh, position open, and uh, I applied. I didn't get the job there, but they passed my, my, my resume along to to, um, to Alba, and I got hired on. Um, worked at Julep. Uh, Julep's training program was really what really catapulted me into like the craft scene. Um, it gave me all the baseline knowledge I needed and all like the craft, like the basic classic cocktails. And then working in that high of volume, doing that kind of stuff was really like, it's immeasurable how much that helped me in my career. Um, and then from there, uh, parted ways with Julep and started over at, at uh, Johnny's Goldbrick, um, just as a bartender there. And I knew I wanted to continue expanding my my. Um, my, my repertoire, my career is, you know, bartender, and so I started getting involved with competitions. Um, I felt like I was kind of okay with what I did, and I was curious to see how I stacked up against some of the better people, and started with local stuff. Did some little things here and there, and um, won a couple competitions, and kept moving up and doing bigger ones and bigger ones, and here I am, you know, doing competitions for actually almost three years now. Wow. And so, yeah, it's gone pretty well for you when it comes to the competition uh, circuit, which I feel is a great place to, to learn uh, a lot, but it's also a great place to l- meet people that are as engaged in, in the craft as you are. Because that's, that's what I found in the, in the competition circuit was people that are just as interested in learning as, as I am. And uh, so... Going back to Johnny Goldbricks real quick. So you were there from day one. Um, I was there from official day one, if that makes sense. So I wasn't part of the opening staff, like as like doing the pre-opening training and setup and everything like that. But um, I was hired on a Friday, and I started the bar open on a Friday, and I was officially working on a Monday. So they did official open on a Friday, took Saturday off to recoup. Sunday they did a shift, and then I started on that Monday. So like. A couple of days from beginning staff, but yeah, I've been there pretty much since the beginning. Okay, so, it's been super fun to see. Um, it was, I mean, I've been there for three years now. The bar's been open for three years as of March, and uh, seeing the progression of the bar from what it started off to what it is now, I mean, between staff and back bar and cocktails and even the general culture of the bar has been a really, really awesome thing to see. Yeah, because you guys are doing a lot of really interesting stuff from the day one. I mean, I remember all the juicing that you guys were doing yeah. like really beat and carried I guess and like every everything was fresh and not your typical almost like it was like a juice bar meets yeah neighborhood bar well that was when uh, <laughs> when when Leslie was 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 really in charge of that uh, that whole thing and that was with like the boom of what was going on in the, uh, of the neighborhood 
And, you know, Leslie has always been one to push the boundaries. Like, she's always been one to always do something different. And so she really implemented a lot of, like, attention to detail in those things. So Leslie Ross? Yeah, Leslie Ross, yeah. Um, uh, and so that kind of just translated into the culture of the bar. Um, and, like, the bar originally started off as being, like, something that was meant to be, like, very local, maybe do a couple of cocktails, but really be focused then on, like, beer and wine. And then whenever I started um, and with the people who were there... Um, it really kind of morphed into this really cool thing where it was these people who were really interested in cocktails but also were really into like, hey, man, you want a beer and a shot? No big deal. Like, but you want a Vucare or a last <laughs> word, we have no problem with it. And so it's been, it was super cool to kind of see that going and I don't want to say I was a catalyst for it, but I think that like with my expertise, it's expertise, my, my experiences with, uh, with, with Julep, coming into some of these people who didn't have as much, you know, experience, that meshing together and kind of giving them the guide to make these cool cocktails and do these interesting things that might have been classics or even working on some different techniques really pushed the bar to kind of be more than just your local local neighborhood joint that happened to make some eh cocktails. Yeah, so I remember going there and asking, you know, so what is this, what is that, what is it, like just looking around at everything. And one of the things that I felt was that's the future of bars because you had cold draft ice, right? So quality ice to make cocktails, um, but the layout is pretty much of your neighborhood bar. It doesn't look like a cocktail bar. The back bar has got pretty much everything you could possibly need to make the majority of classics. And then... Even if you're just getting a vodka soda, pretty sure you guys don't have a gun. So it was like Topo Chico. Right. You had bottled tonic. Yeah. So it, even though it's gin and tonic, vodka soda, you're still getting something that is high quality. Yeah. And it really changes the experience for those people because, unfortunately, too many bars still um, are too willing to give you the bottom shelf of everything yeah. for, you know, sometimes a reasonable price. Sometimes to me, to me, it's not reasonable at all. Because life is too short to drink shitty shit. Yeah, true, true. And so I I just prefer that style and that type. And, and that's what I thought of whenever I saw it and, you know, got talked to about the... Uh, not talked to, but like, you know, whenever I started asking Leslie and you and Rich and, you know, so what is this, what is that, what is the other? It's like, oh, shit. So you pretty much set up for cocktails, but your neighborhood bar. Yeah. I mean, that's the whole thing is like... Is like I mean, when we think about Johnny's, we think about, like, what is the future of bartending? Like, what is the future of, like, casual drinking in, you know, Houston? Like, where do, does people, does, does someone want to get dressed up and go out for a cocktail every night? Or do they want to just come in their PJs and have an old-fashioned, you know? And, like, that was one of the biggest things that, like, that we've always stressed there at the bar is, like, though we have wells, they're not low quality. We, we, we try and make sure that we carry like high quality products that we can stand behind, that we know the history of and we know the, like, where they come from and we know that they're quality products for a reasonable price. Um, I mean, like our old fashions, $8. I mean, and it's a really awesome old fashioned with a really quality product in it and like it's been three years and, you know, by now people have said that they've liked it enough that I'm like, okay, this might actually be pretty good. People actually really <laughs> enjoy it after three years. So, uh, yeah, man, that's, that's just been kind of the ethos of Johnny's ever since the beginning. And, like, we try and transfer that over even into, like, our monthly cocktail menu. So, 
in the first year or so, we didn't have a monthly rotating menu. Um, so that's one of our big things about Johnny. So we change our, our, our bartender creations every single month, um, calling it like hyper-seasonal, if you will, um, because it's really what's available for that month uh, that we can get our hands on and create something new and fresh and different. Um, and we decided to do it, and we're on two and a half years now, two years now of, the, of that menu. And it's like one of the biggest selling points for the bar because everyone comes in and says, okay, what's new for the month? What can I get that's different and interesting? While still keeping that cost down for the you know for the customer, um, giving them a value on these really interesting cocktails. So how do, the, how do you make that work? Because that, that's, I mean, coming up with a menu every month is, so, a, is a thing yeah. <laughs> in itself. So I don't do it. Um, it's definitely not all me. Um, I work with really talented staff. Um, we work through a series of like on-the-job mentorship and training. Um, it's kind of one of those things like we all push each other to continue growing and becoming better. Um, so every bartender is required to bring uh, one cocktail to the menu uh, or to what we call a round table. So we, we do, we kind of talk about it amongst ourselves like, okay, I'm thinking about gin this month or I'm thinking about vo- you know, vodka or rum or whatever we decide. Everyone kind of picks a spirit and direction they're going, and then we all work on our cocktails individually, and then we come together where we sit down before the bar opens in front of the well. We all sit there, like, this is what I'm thinking, this is what ingredients I'm putting in, this is what I've made, um, this is how it works, what do you as everyone think? And so we go down, we taste it amongst everyone, and everyone puts in their two cents, and then no cocktail gets through that um, without everyone's approval. So everyone on staff has ownership of the cocktails. So... Every cocktail that goes up on our board, everyone agrees on. They're all good in their own right for whatever reason, you know, for whatever style of cocktail they need to be. And so when people come into the bar, like, it's kind of it's kind of a cop-out answer, but, like, it's honestly the truth. When someone's like, oh, what's the best thing? Like, honestly, they're all the best because they wouldn't be up there if they weren't good. Right, right. And so we really bring, since then, we've really brought this idea of, like, not custom tailoring, but finding the cocktail for the person. So, like, when someone's like, oh, what's, what's good? I want what's good. It's like, well, they're all good, but what is it that you like to drink? Right. Like, are you interested in something boozy or spirit for? Are you looking for something light and refreshing? Are you looking for something maybe something's a little bit bubbly? Like, what kind of things are you in the mood for? I've even had to ask people, like, how are you feeling today? If you could give me your, your, your feeling in one word, what would you describe? And then I was like, all right, cool, I'll make a cocktail based on that. And so it's been this fun game that we all kind of play, like, with our guests to make sure we get them the cocktail they want. We also simultaneously have a money-back guarantee. Because we're not going to be able to guess everyone's palate. So the couple people that we might get wrong, yeah, like we're like, oh, don't worry about it. We'll take it out of your way and get you something else. And if you really wanted a vodka soda, hell yeah, vodka soda. Save me some time and yeah. energy. You know? <laughs> so. All right, so you're being the uh, GM. Um, you, what, what you went to school for? Um, just general study business. General business. business okay. So, and, and I want to talk a little bit about this if you're if you're comfortable with it. Uh, I remember in the Bacardi Legacy um, competition, you mentioned about dyslexia. Mm-hmm. Um, how 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 was growing up with that, and and how would you able to get through college with it? Um, so I grew up with dyslexia. I was diagnosed at a really young age. Um, I think it was like six or seven or something like that. Like pretty young. Like when you can start getting some training. So. Uh, my mom was a um, a special ed teacher or special teacher special ed teacher's aide, so she saw signs really early and uh, got me into classes. And um, I also have a speech, I have a stutter as well. Um, so I've had to overcome that, and then also being dyslexic most of my life. And like, not severely dyslexic, like I can't read, 
but um, it's just one of those things that's a, it's more difficult for me to do those things. So over the years, I've, I've developed a really like huge auditory retention. Um, so like we have a conversation, I remember like a ton of it. I can recite it back to people. So like me reading books is like on on things isn't necessarily as beneficial as me talking to someone. So when I talk to master, you know the, the distillers and other bartenders and things like I retain a lot of what they say. So that's been really awesome for me. So that so like in college. I couldn't skip classes because yeah. if I skipped class, then I wouldn't know what was going on. Even if I turned around and tried to read, I could read and I could get the gist of it, but I understood so much more by being actually in class and listening to the teacher. So it's just one of those things I've just learned to deal with for a really long time. And um, surprisingly with dyslexia, I'm actually pretty good at math and I really enjoy it. Um, that usually doesn't go hand in hand because of number uh, flipping and things like that. Um, but I really enjoy the, uh, the process of math and, you know, calculating and things like that, which is, again, you know, one of those things, like, if you have a series of events and steps, it should all work out in the long run, so. At a pretty young age, you learn to be disciplined, because that's what it sounds, like, you develop the discipline of listening yeah. in order to overcome the, 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 the hardship of reading. Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing was, too, is, like, like, I always... I was always told by everyone when I was a kid that I would never be able to read write. I always get low grades. I would never be like normal and like they put me in classes to like that had less answers to look over and you know basically all these things to try and help me, you know, succeed. And I I don't it was either it was, I mean my parents must have instilled it in me but like I hated that. I hated being different. I didn't want to be treated different. I wanted to be just like everyone else and then I wanted to prove it and uh, by the time by the time I was in middle school and into high school, I was a straight A student. Um, oh wow! And being told that I would never be a straight A student because of it. So I mean, it's basically basically my "fuck you, I can" attitude. <laughs> um, I love it. <laughs> I mean, that's a, that's the thing is like you know like I, I don't like being told no, and I don't like being told I can't, and so I constantly want to continue like overcoming these battles and overcoming these 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 issues because it's something I've done you know most of my life so very cool well so then the next thing that I wanted to talk to you about was world class um, this, yeah, I'll, I'll take some beer too yeah right <laughs> um, world class yeah alright so world class is like to me that was the first competition I ever did and I did horribly but I met incredible people And then I, I, I tried to, to, to preach the gospel when I came back because I felt like it was so enriching of an experience to be around, again, people that were so interested in learning and in sharing what they knew. And so you've gone to World Class how many times? Uh, this is my third year. Third year. Um, I've been to regionals three times, and this will be my second time in nationals. Okay, and so how was it going to nationals? Because that was your first try that you went yeah. to national. So the whole world class process, um, just to kind of go back on it, like I've really enjoyed all the cocktail competitions I've done. I mean, I really enjoyed Legacy. I've done Bombay Sapphire, and I've done well in both of those. Um, when I found out about world class, um, actually, I heard about you going, you and Leslie and uh, Nate. Nate. Um, and it was it was really inspiring to see that many people from Houston like going representing this you know the city on like a global scale. I mean, national for first, but eventually into a global scale. 
And um, so I was really interested in doing it, and um, I looked into it, and it's been one of the most, like you said, enriching parts of the competition. Also, in my opinion, the most challenging. Um, it pushes every every aspect of your bartending skills, your speed and efficiency, your brand knowledge, your general knowledge of spirits in the industry, um, and then also your creativity. And I think that I've continued doing that competition more than I have any other one because it is that challenge that I haven't been able to get over yet. It's my... <laughs> Shit. Okay, I've fallen a couple of times. Time to get up and do it again. Um, and so it's been it's been a really awesome experience um, with that. And um, getting involved with it my first year was was really awesome because I had a really supportive staff around. I was just becoming a general manager, and I um, I um, I was really showcasing what I had to offer just from. From, from Julep experience and then with my new freedom to be able to do whatever I wanted at Johnny's um, as far as cocktails were concerned and then being able to showcase all that like was really awesome um, I'm not going to lie to you I didn't think I was going to win I didn't think I was even going to like place or do well and then um, they called the other two competitors from from, ben, from Denver actually and then I was like alright cool someone else from Denver like Nate was in it with, with me that year and uh, I was like Nate will make it or something like that and they called my name and like I just remember just kind of tunneling out and just being like, oh, I, what? What? Like, felt like something kicked me in the chest. And uh, it was an amazing experience. And, like, I got to meet a really awesome people from all over our region that people I still talk to today. And that was almost three years ago now. Um, you know, I went to uh, Denver uh, for my birthday in January. And I saw people that I hadn't seen since then. And, like, friends at this point. Like, yeah. Like, you know, we kept in contact over, you know, social medias and whatnot, but, like, going to see them in person was super awesome, like, two and a half years later. So, um... I feel the same way every time I, I, I see uh, all those guys that are involved in putting it together, but also, my first time, it, we were in the southern uh, region, not the southwest. Okay. So, it was in the east side. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, it was New Orleans, Florida, Atlanta, yeah. yeah, Florida, and, um... I still talk to some of those guys and keep in touch and because it was that kind of a experience and you know that's I think that that's the main thing that that I like to tell people about competition is like first off it makes you focus yeah. in whatever it is that competition is about you have to learn it very well in order to do well yeah. and then is the people that are involved I mean you're just there because most everyone wants to learn yeah. rather than just win it Although everybody is competitive enough to want to win it, yeah. because otherwise you would not be there. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that it reaches a point whenever you have to relax and just do it. And that's what it sounds like you did the first year. It's like, yeah, I'm not going to do anything, so let me just do my thing. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you know, you, you go national. So are you preparing for that? Yeah, so we just got... So being, this, being the... We're into uh, this year's national finals... Um, we got all of our information late last week. Um, I've done a lot of conceptualization going into my head, basically taking the challenges, breaking them down word for word, figuring out what exactly they mean, what exactly they're looking for. Um, and then actually tonight, I'm going to run back over to the bar and start working a little bit more on like putting some cocktails in glasses and seeing how they taste and developing my stories. So like... It's a really short turnaround this year, like really short. Like we got all our information on the 10th and we compete June uh, 5th and 6th. So it's like 
not like from the day we got him, it was like 24 days away, and it just keeps getting shorter. So all of our recipes are due by the 20th of, 20th of this month, so like in a couple of weeks. Oh wow! It's 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 a quick turnaround, and it's it's a lot of it's a lot to do, um, but it's a it's it's an amazing challenge. I mean, taking the opportunity to really focus yourself in on doing something new and different and I mean our speed round this year is 10 cocktails in 10 minutes shit yeah <laughs> yeah I started already kind of like I knew there was going to be, uh, be a speed round so I started kind of developing some cocktails in my interim time and um, I put about like 6 or 7 cocktails together and I think I've scrapped about half of them because they're not going to fit into that, <laughs> that time frame uh, so but yeah I mean it's it's a fun experience and it's it's also fun too because I mean like this I can't say this enough. Like, I have one of the most supportive staffs in the world. I mean, the guys that I work with, like, Rich Bailey is my assistant manager, and he's been with me for two-plus years, and he's an amazing dude. He take, he picks up a lot of slack when I'm gone, and I don't, I don't thank him enough, honestly. Um, you know, and then we have, you know, the, the other staff members. Rebecca is an you know, awesome asset to the bar. She's only a part-time because she does St. Germain work. Yeah. Um, and then we have Angel, who's uh, who's one of our, like, youngest employees who's really hungry for the game she's really excited about like doing stuff and then we have Garrett um, and Garrett's really st- you know stepped up to kind of fill in fill in Rich's shoes when I'm not there so uh, Rich takes a step up to like, where what I was doing and then Garrett steps up underneath him uh, to fill in where he needs to and it's it's amazing that I have these guys who are so dedicated to the craft and so dedicated to the bar that they're willing to take these steps up and like even though it might not be in their official job description um, to fill in for me whenever I need to take breaks or I need to take time to practice so uh, I, I, I could not do this competition without a really supportive staff that's really badass because um, it is a really young staff uh, that you have over there and they are very hungry because I mean just the just to know that's why I was asking you how do you do the monthly oh, yeah. <laughs> menu and, and because it has to be a dedicated staff effort otherwise it it won't get done consistently it won't get done at the highest level well you yeah know, it would be done good I mean like even like I mean you've done it I've done it everyone can make a menu but making 12 menus like you're gonna fall apart somewhere something's not gonna be good you're not gonna have enough time to do that many and like I mean, at the end of the day, all things do technically file through me, and I have to have the official last say on them. But at the end of the day, I mean, like... If you don't have that support, supporting yeah. staff and staff that comes through, it's, yeah, it becomes a completely, entirely different experience. <laughs> and, 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 like, it surprises the hell out of me. Like, I'm surprised as hell we're still doing it. Honestly, like, every month someone comes up with something cool and different and something I haven't seen before. And, like, we're constantly searching for new products and new things, and it's... If anything, I think it's, like, a way of, like, really, like, any person on staff could write a menu for, like, a quarterly or a half year right now because they've done it. They've done enough menus now in the past year at least because most – I think our youngest employee has been there for a year, um, youngest time-wise. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's written 12 menus. I mean, more or less. He's written a cocktail and been part of 12 different menus, and he could go out and write a pretty awesome menu for anywhere in the city right now. So, um, yeah. Man. Well, I mean, that's... And I was right. Johnny Goldbricks is the future of the bars. <laughs> Let's hope so, man. I mean, I, I really hope so because I like to have a good cocktail anywhere I go, especially in a bar where I feel comfortable um, because of not just the environment uh, being relaxing, 
but also because of the staff that enjoy what they're doing. And so what do you think is the next step in the Houston's bar scene? Uh, I mean, I think we kind of alluded to it pretty much the entire conversation we've had is, um, you know, more bars like Johnny's. Um, I think it's already starting in motion. I think there's already some cool places out that, I mean, let's think about it on a realistic standpoint. I mean, you can hardly go anywhere in the city and not get an old fashioned. Might not be a good old fashioned, but you can go pretty much anywhere. I mean, I think even like when, when, uh, my girlfriend worked at Little Woodrow's, they can make an old fashioned. So like... The craft scene is there. People are people are continuously educating themselves, at least on like a small scale, to about what they're drinking. They know that they enjoy like certain cocktails or certain spirits or certain brands, and I think that's that's really important. And I think taking the I don't want to say pretension is the wrong word because I feel like I'm alluding to certain bars in the city, but like taking away um, the idea of needing to go out to have a drink. And I think that more people are are excited about like going to a local you know, watering hole and having quality ingredients at quality pricing and they can go out two or three times a week and have a couple of drinks at the you know the neighborhood bar and not have to worry about oh well I can only go out on Friday because it's expensive to drink cocktails you know yeah actually that's a really good point because I, I feel then then it, it's, it's sort of like going to your favorite bar and having a beer but then you decide you're going to have a cocktail so you have a cocktail instead instead of actually saying well now I have have to go to a different bar. Yeah. And I, th- I think that that is what I'm, I'm, I've been hoping for. <laughs> and then also just the relaxed environment. I think that, like, one of the things that Johnny's does well, and I think there's a couple other bars in the city, too, that are getting to that point. Um, just creating that relaxed environment. Like, just, I mean, for lack of a better term, the cheers environment, you know, where you yeah. walk in and everyone seems to know your name and it's like, hey, man, how's it going? Like, how's the kiddos or how's work or how was your trip to blah 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 you know and like I think it's one of the best things about like our industry as a whole is like the connections with people at the end of the day like a cocktail's a cocktail everyone can make a cocktail you can teach a monkey to make a cocktail is what I say but it's the interaction across the bar that you can't teach that interpersonal relationships that you build with the people that's incredibly important and things that that really drive home what a bar is to people you know like there's a huge amount of people who go out and drink just because it's to just just a drink, but having a cocktail or having a drink with someone across the bar that you consider your friend or someone that you can confide in is really important. You know, we're the unpaid psychologists of the world. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. So, what's your favorite bar to go drink? Oh man, um, I think strictly based on proximity um, and high octane. Uh, uh, Lalo, <laughs> I knew when you say high octane, <laughs> that gives it away. I mean, we know all those guys because we we do a lot of business with each other. Like just generally speaking, they come to us after work. We go to them after work because we like literally are not even a mile away from each other. Um, and I mean, it's it's a fun environment. Like if you really break it down, like to me, like what what having a cocktail is 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 like on a whole is it's just escapism. The idea of getting away from your average life. Um, maybe not average life, maybe just, just to kind of turn your brain off for the day, right. you know, just get away. And I think that, like, Layla is the embodiment of that. It's like the physical manifestation of that. Like, when you walk in, you feel like you're in a completely different world. And that's so much fun to me. Um, and then we also, we know all the bartenders, so it's good to see good friends and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, I don't go to Layla very often because it's too far for me. You know, and, and given how we are just becoming so... Uh, like um, 
dense as a city mm. and we're just hanging out within a few blocks or a few miles of where we live that's the reason why I don't go to Lalo no other reason because every single time I go I have a great time and the, that embodiment that you talk about I always feel like it's Russell yeah like he is that guy to where you know the big bear yeah <laughs> so where you, you see him and you talk to him and he's just like relaxing you know, because he's he's his in his own element, yeah. and uh, I always feel like that's kind of one of the things that are important about bars is whoever it is that puts it together is running it, makes it feel that way for for the customer, okay. and um, yeah, I, I, Lalo is definitely up there. So, any new things you got uh, coming up? Um, I mean, as far as the bar is concerned, uh, I mean, we have the monthly rotating menu that we're, we're currently working on. Um, bar is actively working on becoming more involved with, you know, with the community, um, trying to put out more events to get people, like, to come out and do things. We started up a, um, a, a monthly oyster and martini thing that we're going to do. So the first Monday of every month, we're going to be doing uh, whatever high-quality oysters we can get a hold of, whether they be Gulf for West Coast or East Coast. Um and we do them for a dollar, um, so really inexpensive. And then we uh, sell some really interesting martinis with them um, just to kind of, like, help out with, you know, bringing people in on a Monday and then also giving some people that, like, honestly, for the real part, we want to sit down and have martinis and drink, you know, <laughs> you know, have martinis and eat some oysters. So we do that. Um, we've got a couple of cool, like, uh, like block party kind of things coming up in the summer. Um, I know we're doing something in um, – in June, it's going to be um, very focused on on uh, riding your bike around the heights. Um, so we're going to do like a, a special where if you're riding your bike from bar to bar, uh, obviously being safe, uh, you get a discount on a beer or something like that. Um, so kind of help, kind of like really incorporate that that local heights neighborhood feel, um, and while incorporating a lot of different bars in the neighborhood. Um, so yeah, I mean we got some cool stuff going like that. How's the uh, backyard coming along? Uh, so, um, as far as the backyard is concerned, um, there was some issues with the landlord. The, not with us, but the landlord was uh, was trying to sell the property. And as per our leasing agreement, um, she sold the property and asked us to move out of the yard, um, which was unfortunate for us. So we lost some space. Um, I honestly think it was for the better. Um, people were more concerned with the yard than being inside the bar. So the vibe of the bar was... A um, lot slower, in my opinion, because everyone would be outside and it would be high energy out there, and they'd have to walk into the bar to come get drinks. And it was like we would do this huge, like up and down wave where it'd be like we're not doing anything, standing with our thumbs up our ass, and then all of a sudden, twenty people are in front of us, and we have to make fifty-five drinks in fifteen minutes, you know. And so, um, I like it that we don't have it anymore. But the positives that are coming out of it is they're they're renovating around us. Um, so they're going to be putting a two-story building to the left-hand side of Johnny's, yeah. which is going to house uh, some retail and then also some office space. And behind us is supposed to be some type of um, retail space as well. And then we're going to actually going to be getting like 30-plus parking spots, um, which is great for us because if yeah, no you've been at Johnny's, we have five. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so um, it's, it's, it's going to be awesome because it's really going to um, bring up um, a lot more foot traffic. It'll give us places to park, and it'll like be a big thing. Well, I would think that it also makes it easier for the destination uh, customer. Yeah, because there happens to me at times whenever I go somewhere, you know, new, 
and it's like too hard to find parking and I'm like yeah I'll be back some other time yeah and that you know kind of lengthens itself and before you know it you know a year or two might pass before I get to it yeah and parking is 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 a is difficult in, in Montrose as well as in the Heights yeah um, and it, it keeps people away to an extent yeah then again usually those like I think the more interesting bars are in Montrose and in the Heights and so people are willing to go th- you know find the parking space and like go th- put invest the time and effort into getting in there because it's such a good time once you're there well we have a lot more I mean I think I, I mean in the past couple of years I've seen an increase in, in um, um, Uber and Lyft um, being that we don't have a whole lot of parking like we still we get a lot of traffic that way and I think it's honestly I think it's super responsible I mean like Houston's such a big city and like when people are going out like it people are going out Right. Yeah, they're not. They're not going to have. I mean, not not all the time. I mean, obviously during the week, you have a couple of drinks, but like on the weekends, like people are going hard. So, it 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 makes me really excited to see people doing more of the Uber and and you know Lyft and you know whatever other rideshare is out there. And I think that's that's super cool. And I think that's it doesn't make up enough of our business to like really like be like okay, we don't need parking. But at the same time, it does it does make me happy that there are people who are being responsible out there and you know making our lives a little less stressful. Yeah, I agree with that because uh, there are times whenever I will drop off my car, <laughs> catch an Uber, yeah, and then you know so that way I don't, I don't find myself driving after having one too many. Yeah. Um, well, I appreciate you coming by, man. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm very interested in uh, how uh, World Class National goes for you. June sixth, they'll be announced. It'll be all over. It'll be all over Facebook. If I fell flat on my face, y'all know. If if I took it, then we'll see. Uh, I I doubt you'll fall flat on your face. It's a tough competition, and uh, you know, just getting national is nice. Um, everything that you do at 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 Johnny Goldbricks, you know, prepares you for this uh, kind of stuff. But you know, best wishes and good luck with everything, man. All right, man. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you for listening. Please make sure that you uh, subscribe, like, comment, and rate uh, the uh, Open Bar Experience on iTunes and uh, Stitcher. Until next time, keep the conversation going.